you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. They're going to throw on third down and seven. Instead, Heineke wisely, and now a flag, wow. and that's going to, in essence, end the game. A flag on that hit as Heineke had taken a knee. Should be the last play. Hurts underneath, and now the laterals. And instead, it's going to be picked up for a touchdown on that lateral by Casey Tuhill. And the Commanders have won this game. And Taylor Heineke can celebrate a big road win here in Week 10. Oh, yeah, he could celebrate. Taylor Heineke can celebrate and annoy the entire city of Philadelphia when he's celebrating. Had to include that final touchdown by Casey Tuhill. Sometimes football is just ridiculous, and sometimes it ends with Casey Tuhill doing the gritty after picking up a ground ball to end the Eagles' undefeated season. 32 to 21, the Commanders got it done. I'm Greg Rosenthal. I'm excited to be joined on this Monday Night Football recap by Charles McDonald. He's an NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. I feel like I've been following him and seeing him writing about football on the internet for a while now. I know I saw him at New York Daily News. I think he was covering the Giants back then. He, he was with uh, my friend Josh Norris at Underdog Fantasy for a minute. Now he's killing it at Yahoo. Charles, I was worried we'd have a dud <laughs> to talk about tonight, and we got a, we got a fun one. We got a weird one. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little worried because I was talking to uh, my buddy and gambling extraordinaire Ben Solak before the game. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yo, what, I was like, what's the spread on this game? I know you know what the spread on this game is. So uh, it was like it's eleven. I thought it was interesting that the uh, that Washington ended up winning by eleven Ooh. on that on that play at the end of the game. But uh, this, this was definitely an interesting game. I, I 
I was not expecting Washington's offense to play as well as they did, but you know, the Eagles defense, they have a fatal flaw and that's run defense. And, you know, you might as well just spam it. Uh, if you're able to pick up, you know, yards when you need to first downs when you need to, and that, that made things a little bit easier for Taylor Heineke, who, uh, should be ashamed of himself for having oh, him the last play. Oh, okay. I, you know, the more I've thought about it, and I've talked to some people even around the building here at NFL Network, and uh, everyone agrees with you, and you're right. That was an annoying celebration. Let's start there, actually, because we, we're, we can get into how the Commanders won this game. We can get into Jalen Hurts good, Jalen Hurts bad, uh, how crazy the time of possession in the first half was. But ultimately, the Eagles' defense finally showed up in the fourth quarter. They get an interception. Uh, they force a long field goal on a short field after another turnover. They get a three and out. And it looked like they were about to get the ball back. Uh, what, it would have been with uh, under two minutes to go. And at, at least a chance with no timeouts. No guarantee, but down five points for Jalen Hurts. Kind of a... A little Jalen Hurts heat check moment as we're talking about him as Pro Bowl right. MVP, all this. And I was, as a football fan, I think we were all excited for that. It's a third and long. You expect Washington to just run the ball there. I, I was surprised by the chutzpah uh, of Scott Turner actually to throw or to call a pass. But he must have told Heineke, look, if it's not there, just get down and take the sack. Heineke doesn't see anyone open, starts scrambling around uh, like he does about 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and decides to just give up on the play, takes a knee. And at that point, Brandon Graham, who's coming after him, trying to finish the game, pushes him over. He had given himself up on the play. It wasn't a vicious push by any means, but he had taken a couple steps after Heineke hits the knee. It's the right call. It's a silly rule. It's an annoying way for the game to end. And it's especially annoying because Heineke immediately starts, yeah. pops up, starts, <laughs> uh, you know, gesturing for first down and celebrating. He was doing that all night, uh, kind of like a coach's kid. And at that point, I felt like he was uh, enemy number one in Philadelphia. What was your thoughts as a former player yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I play defensive line like basically my whole life. So the, the, the Brandon Graham play, you got to know to pull up there because the name of the game now is for protecting the quarterbacks. And really, I, I'm pretty sure it's been a rule for a long time that if any player gives themselves up, then the play is dead right there. But especially when it comes to a quarterback, like they let the first guy touch him. But then for Brandon Graham to come in and then hit him right, right there. Like, I don't think it was malicious, but at the same time, it's something that you have to call. But then to celebrate like a win on a penalty like that and to get up the big first down. Uh, I was like, come on. I kind of like Taylor. it, though, as someone um, that's annoying. And, uh, you know, when when I play, you know, you, you got to celebrate the moments. You're not worried about your opponent. Uh, I, it was annoying, and yet I can understand. I don't think he was, like, trying to shove it in Philly's face or that he planned it out. We got people in our control room who's, who are saying, oh, that was his plan the whole time. It was like a flop. He This was the plan from the time he uh, hiked the ball. I was like, no, Taylor Heineke oh, no. is not Jedi mind-tricking them. And he when he's taking that knee, he's not even trying to draw a penalty, I don't think. He just knew the second that he was pushed that the game was over. And uh, that that is one image I will remember from this season. Taylor Heineke celebrating like that. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> it, it, it was just a weird end to a weird game. And then even even after that, to get the touchdown on the final play of the game, which 
uh, you know, make, makes the final score look a little bit bigger than uh, than it actually was. It, it was uh, I, I didn't peg this to be the Eagles first loss. No, uh, no, I didn't. And um, yeah, I apologize. I don't even really ask questions on this show. I just rant about things that I find amusing and then just wait for you to rant. Char- Charles, by the way, you should check him out on Twitter. He does a really good job. He's one of my favorite follows and a great writer and in- insanely young. I'm not even going to ask you how young you are, but I just know you're way younger than me. So you've come up uh, in the game quickly uh, like Jalen Hurts. Let's talk Jalen Hurts. And we can talk about how they limited possessions. Washington, uh, we'll get into their offense in a minute and we'll give them their flowers. They're at five and five. And I I thought their three game win streak that they had before last week's loss to the Chargers was about as lucky a win streak as you can get, but they just won in Philadelphia and they're five and five in the NFC. So we'll get to giving them their flowers. But the Eagles to me are the bigger story here. Jalen Hurts in this game and the Eagles offense, they get two quick touchdowns, one on a short field uh, after a a sack fumble, a Heineke, and then another quick touchdown. And you think they're kind of off and rolling here up up 14-7 at that point. Then they barely have the ball for about two quarters. In the second and third quarters, they ran a total of 10 plays. I mean, that is outrageous. At one point, the time of possession was like 31-6. to Thirty-one to seven. It ended up forty to nineteen. They had three quick drives uh, that included an interception on a pretty nice pass by Jalen Hurts that that AJ Brown couldn't take in. And then you get to the fourth quarter where the, the team does have a nice long touchdown drive, uh, but ultimately gets the ball back a, a few times with a chance to go take the lead. They aren't able to do that for for a few different reasons, a few fumbles, but I want to start with the drive that started at 326 left. After all the drama, back-to-back fumbles that they lose, they're still only down five points there. They get the ball with 326 left. In theory, that kind of was the Jalen Hurts go have a MVP type of drive moment and they go three and out. Like, tell me what you saw in that drive and then just in general what what this night uh, made you think about Hurts. Um, I don't know uh, if I have too many thoughts about Jalen Hurts from that drive, but I think for like, for the entire night, um, I, I I know the, the Eagles' offense is kind of interesting because I thought that he missed you know a handful of throws that he probably should have had, um, especially earlier in the game. We talking stuff like quick outs or being inaccurate in, in you know shorter areas of the field where he's got to have it but then you 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 kind of see how this offense plays and they're able to get guys open it's a lot of screen passes and he ends up uh I think like 17 for 26 for the game but overall I, I don't I don't really think it was uh his best performance as a passer I'm not really sure though to me at least like I don't, I don't think that Washington really forced him into into doing anything crazy I think he was just kind of off uh on his own accord uh just with you know some of the accuracy on some of the shorter and intermediate passes but uh even then you know he's still able to hit that long ball to Quez Watkins which was a great throw and then uh he immediately punished with the fumble on the back end of that so you know I, I think with Jalen Hurts I would have liked to see him um definitely you know play a little bit better with that chance to come back but to me the, the more concerning areas were more at the start of the game okay. when uh he was a little bit more inaccurate yeah and i think that's that's part of the hurts experience and i i get into these arguments sometimes nate tice points out some of the shortcomings in hurts's games he's a young yeah. quarterback it, does he read the whole field quickly at this point no like a lot of third year quarterbacks that's not his strength is he is he reading the middle of the field 
fast. Is, is he always that accurate in the short game? Like he he can be streaky. I I think he had a few plays tonight, and I would include that last drive third down as one of them where he left the pocket before it really needed to be left. And I, I think he thought maybe yeah. he had a running lane there, and he didn't. Uh, but it was something where they got quick pressure on him one of the two plays before that. And it looked like something like a busted play call. I'm not even sure what, what happened on the second down. And then he kind of panicked in the pocket on the third down. And that was, to me, like a young quarterback play. And it was a reminder. He hasn't been in this spot that many different times. This is the first time they've trailed in the second half yeah. this season. And <laughs> that that was just a moment where you wanted calm out of your quarterback. And, and it was just one play, that third down. But there was a, one or two other plays similar to that. I think Troy Aikman pointed them out where he, where he left the pocket, panicked a little bit quickly and that's the growing process for for Jalen Hurts and he didn't end up getting the ball back yeah I mean this is his it's his 28th start so uh we're not even at two full seasons of him uh being an NFL starter yet so I I I think (laughs) I I I tend to think that the young quarterbacks in the league especially you know over the past no, it's called six years have been, have been pretty good. And it's kind of adjusted or, or maybe warped our expectations on what, mm-hmm. what a growth line looks like. And I, I feel like Jalen Hurts is still on a really good pattern for, for himself. Uh, tonight didn't work out well. Uh, maybe you still want to see some more of him from him as a passer, but in terms of like where he's grown, uh, I, I think, you know, his skill as a quarterback has undeniably improved since he got here. But, you know, you're still seeing some of the young quarterback mistakes like that third down sack. Uh, I thought he built the pocket a little bit early. I don't know what rushing lane he thought he saw because there was nothing there. I mean, he it, it seemed like he ran right into the arms uh, of whoever was rushing at three technique. He that freaked play. out a little bit. That was kind of yeah. his, his version of a Kirk Cousins play, just a, a different version of that. And for the most part, it wasn't like an offensive line is collapsing type of game. They just didn't have the ball. They still averaged 5.6 yeah. yards per play, which for the Eagles is not that much, but they only had 40 – 47 yard uh, plays rather uh, over the course of the game. No, I he's one of the most improved players in the league. We're actually going to do a quick list at the end of this uh, of just some of the most improved players. And he's one of them. He was one of the most improved players last year. And he's one of the most improved players this year. He's absolutely like an NFC pro bowler right now. This won't hurt his mythical MVP talk. But even that, there's nine games left of the seven or eight games left of the season for them. I'm not too worried about that. I think Washington did a nice job taking it away. And for the most part, in the fourth quarter, he played well, went right down the field, made a nice throw to Goddard in that drive, had that beautiful deep throw to Watkins. And then Watkins, yeah, you know, fulfilled something I've always noticed, which is if a guy makes a diving catch or hits the ground as a receiver and gets up, it's a it's a fumble one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> like it's never not. No, a fumble. It, it, it's always bad luck because you're. It, it, it's to me, it's almost like a like you know when you when you see a guy who you know has really good hands and they kind of take their eye off the ball and start running up field and they just kind of drop it. Mm-hmm. It's like you're so preoccupied on what's next, you forget about the part where you need to hold on to the ball. So I, I was kind of with you, like when he got up and started running, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Like this is either going to be a touchdown or a turnover. Uh, and you know, he, he got so excited. He got, uh, he was on his way to the end zone, got hawked and the ball just Ugh. popped right out. And I, I mean, and that, that's one of those plays, like you, you gotta have that, especially when you're, when you're in that specific moment of the game. 
because uh, who knows? Who knows? Like maybe Hurts does finish that drive and they punch in for another score. Uh, maybe that would change, you know, how how we feel about this performance. But uh, man, just really unlucky. He's trying to do a little bit too much. I mean, I I remember uh, last week. You know, I'm I'm a Falcons fan. For people who don't know, when the Falcons played the the Chargers, and you have the play where Austin Eckler fumbled the ball. And then Falcons defensive tackles, Taquan Graham, who never touches the ball, picks up the ball and starts running with it. And while he's running, I'm like, bro, fall down. Just fall down. You're <laughs> yep. doing too much. Yep. And he let go of the ball and the Chargers got it back. So sometimes you just got to know when to quit on a play. Yeah. Okay. Like I struggle with this sometimes, but I try never to forget as as I get older, you'll see. You know, I'm I'm an old I'm an old man doing this job, and after a while, you realize so much of what we talk about over the course of the week, good or bad, is just based on completely random ass like luck plays that that's gonna change everything you say. And try not to get too carried away is what I'm saying about those two or three totally random plays that change a game, change a season, and and they add up, and it doesn't mean too much to me differently about how I feel about the Eagles long-term their turnover luck over the course of the season though, probably was going to correct at some point. They led the league in turnover margin. Your, your friend again, Ben Solak getting a lot of pop on this show (laughs) had a nice little graph that pointed it out. They were plus 15 going into this game. No one else was greater than plus six, which is just outrageous. They had more turnovers. If you count that last play and and you do uh, in the official scorebook, they had more turnovers in this game four than they had in the entire season coming into this game, uh, which was only three. And and that was huge for Washington, who's been terrible at forcing turnovers. And one of them, and I'll just mention this now before we get to giving the commander some flowers, uh, because I know Eagles fans will whine about it. Uh, one of them came on a face mask penalty uh, for Dallas Goddard. So this game will not you know, come without controversy. The undefeated Eagles season ends with a couple shaky uh, calls. One wasn't a bad call, but it was just a stupid rule and a stupid way to end the game. And then this was a bad call. The face mask on Dallas Goddard uh, is part of a, a fumble that ends up leading to a second Joey Sly 55-plus yard bomb. I mean, the Eagles were quite unlucky. Everything that could go yeah. wrong in this game went wrong. Yeah, and I, I, I hate to be someone that wants to give these referees more power over the game and take more time from us, like actually watching football. But do it. Uh, I feel, I feel like with with some of these bigger penalties, uh, you got to be able to look back at it. Like if we can look back and see, oh, Davis's knee was down when he got touched with the ball. I don't understand why you can't rewind it two more seconds and see that there was a face mask. Uh, on the way down. It's all about just getting oh, they the saw it. Right. They're watching oh, that right. and they're right, just right, cringing right. at everything like, that's going to happen. Like, oh my God. We, we, we messed up. We messed up. But I, I don't understand why that's in the, in, the, it's in the rule book, but you can't pull that back either. And I, and I think like that should be extended to uh, even, you know, when we're talking about these field flipping pass interference penalties too. Like we should be able to take a look at that. Mm. Just if well, we're, we, we're going to, if we're going to care about ever getting everything right. I mean, I think it would be a terrible TV product, but at the same well, we've time, got, we've gone down that road. Back. You know, we've gone down that road because of uh, pass interference and, and Rams and Saints a few years ago. I don't think they'll go back to pass interference, but I'm with you. The sky judge is becoming a bigger part of the game. And the NFL doesn't get much credit for it because when things go well, no one 
talks about it. But actually, this season, the games are shorter than they've been since 1987. Now, that's mostly, I believe, because of the style of play that's happening. You're getting teams like the Commanders and, and the Eagles also that are just grinding out these long drives and the way defenses are playing, and, and that just makes the game go quicker, and that's great. Uh, but part of it, too, is that the Sky Judge has come in quick. We don't have these long replays anymore with the guys under the booth. The way that they've had New York make quick replays, and then sometimes even when a play isn't challenged, correct uh, mistakes that are allowed to be corrected quickly has improved. It's just subtle, and I'm with you, Charles. I think it can be... Just keep expanding it. They expand it like a little more every season. The Sky Judge is a little more involved this season than, than they were or the, the New York office. And yeah, like if you're already reviewing it, make it like a scoring play where you can review every element of the scoring play, even if it's not the part that's being challenged. You can review different elements of it. Allow the element to also be, you know, some amount of penalties. Now, I don't know if they're going to get into pass interference, but face mask feels like one you can definitely throw in there. That's easy. Everyone watching at home, that would have been a five-second thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, on a play that that's big, I, I just feel like that's one of those moments where you have to give it right. Uh, and, and like you said, like we all saw the face mask. I like I, I, I don't even know how they, how they missed it in real time. Like Sometimes I feel like I just don't know what these guys are looking at. Right, I don't either, because I thought there was no one there, but then when they showed one replay, there was one guy on the side judge looking right at it. I don't know. And and it's the same thing when, you know, you have plays on the sideline where you're trying to figure out is a catch or is a touchdown. And there's been been a lot of clear situations where we get the call wrong the first time. I'm like, come on. Well, I I always bring this up that – when I've watched the game on a sideline, I'm always amazed that any call ever gets right. And it, it does give me appreciate. It gives you an appreciation for football players, of course, but it also gives you appreciation that officiating is impossible, that at a certain point it, it almost feels like there's no way humans could officiate these athletes who are so fast and strong doing all these different things with all these different rules that it's almost impossible. And the fact that they're not even worse is almost a, a minor miracle. There are ways they can improve it. I'm not saying I'm not a, being a company man, but just watching it, you're like, I, I wouldn't know anything that goes on. But a play like that seems that's so clear in real life and, and on video. You got to be able to fix that at least. Yeah, I and to be clear, like I 100% agree with you on your take on how difficult to on how difficult refereeing is, but I'm still going to complain about it. Oh yeah, I know it's part of it. Let's <laughs> let's give Washington some credit here because for three quarters of this game, it felt like they were playing the game of their lives, and I think the fourth quarter is going to give a different feel to people because at that point, it's almost like the Commanders remembered who they were and the Eagles remembered who they were. And if that clock kept ticking, if we if they played five more minutes, or if they didn't have three or four kind of crazy things go against them, they were going to come back and win that game. But for three quarters, they really did everything they wanted to do. They finished with 49 rushing attempts. Most of them were in those first three quarters because that's when they had a 13-play drive, a 12-play drive, a 16-play drive, and a 14-play drive. At one point, they had five straight scoring drives before that Taylor Heineke interception, which which did turn the game around in the fourth quarter. Um, do you feel like giving Scott Turner any flowers or Taylor Heineke any flowers, or do you just want to give it all to Terry McLaurin, I guess would be the guy. Um, Terry McLaurin. I don't, I, I don't, okay. I don't really think that 
this is like some genius game plan or anything. Like the Eagles, they have a, a clear weakness. Jordan okay. Davis is not in. Uh, and even when Jordan Davis hasn't been in the game, it's not like they've been even a, like a league average run defense. So this is the time to to kind of span it. Like I, I was surprised when uh, at the end of the game, uh, I think it was Troy Aikman. He said, you know, the Washington, they, they ran for 3.1 yards for carries. And I was like, that can't be right. Like that, that can't be right. Like I just, I watched every play tonight. How is that correct? But uh, like you said, they kind of got back on uh they playing defense well in the fourth quarter, but I, I think, you know, Terry, uh, Taylor, uh, Terry McLaurin, he's been incredible. Like I, I think he's really stepped this game up to another level this year. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of, he's kind of entering that like unguardable sphere uh, of, of players. Cause it's not like he was going up, up against a cupcake opponent tonight. Uh, Darius Slay and James Bradbury, they've probably been the best cornerback duo in the league this year. Uh, and now Terry just kind of comes in and, and makes it look easy. So, uh, it, you know, here's, here's another storyline during the broadcast that I thought was interesting was like the insinuation that Carson Wentz is going to get this job back. Like, because they, they asked, they asked Taylor Heineke at the end of the game, like, you know, if this is your last start for the season, how's it feel? I'm like, why, why the hell would that be his last start? Yeah. Like, don't ask that <laughs> in that spot. I got to admit, I entered the game thinking, if Heineke plays like he did last week, or real honestly, if you watch these Commanders games, Heineke has not played well. Every game, he hasn't. every game, he gives the opponent three or four chances, and I do buy into there's something about the fourth quarters, and they've found a way to win these crazy games, and it's been luck sometimes, and sometimes it's been good plays by him or just giving these guys a chance. And I and I thought they're gonna have to win this game if Carson Wentz is healthy. Uh, for him to start next week. Uh, but they did win this game, so there's no question. And I don't know if Wentz is going to be ready anyway. Heineke played well, though, I would say. This was as yeah. as well as he's played all year and would be right there with the best games that he played all of last year, too. It, to me, it's this in the playoff game that he played as as his best two games because for the most part, he made good decisions. He, he skied a couple throws. He does that every week, and if there's a safety back there, then it ends up being an interception. Uh, he he threw that pop-up that ended up being intercepted where he, he thought his arm was better than it was, and that seems to happen every week. But that was really the one really bad decision. For the most part, he made three or four nice throws to the outside. He got the ball out quick. He kind of you know, went where the defense was telling him to go. And it was like, a, that was a good version of Heineke. And it got them to a point where if they could run the ball in the fourth quarter, that they would have won a little more easily. Yeah, I think I, I think this was his best game of the season, which is uh, interesting given the opponent because the, this, the Eagles defense, they've been kind of smothering everyone uh, that they've played this year. Uh, and I, I, I mean, coming off of that game, I would be hard pressed to bench him just because. No way they're benching him. You kidding me? Right. And it's, 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 you have to factor in like what the other option is too. It's not like Carson Wentz was killing it before, uh, before he, before he got hurt. And to me, you know, Robert Rivera seems like one of those guys where he's going to go, well, we're what, like four and oh, or three and one with, with Taylor Heineke, four and one, something like that. So we might as well just, just keep riding the hot hand. And oh, he's uh, a vibe. Hey, he's hey, a vibes coach. Vibes for sure. And hey, look, Taylor's doing this to his credit. Just find Terry, find 17, just give him a chance to go find the ball. Um, and that seemed to be working for them. But, you know, I, I thought that it was impressive that 
the impressive part to me was that they just kind of just kept going with the run and were really able to run as many plays as they were. I think one time in the fourth quarter, they had run like 24 plays to the Eagles, five plays. Uh, and anytime you can just kind of sit on the ball like that and, and, and keep an offense that that's good off the field. I know that, you know, we, we've kind of learned a little bit more about the true value of time of possession, but you know, when it, when it's that stark, I think it, it's something that really matters. And, it, it gave him a cushion going into the fourth quarter, at least. And I think that that and a little help from the officials was right. just enough to help them uh, keep the Eagles away. Right. The theory is that you wear them down and then by the end of the game, you'll really be rolling. That did not play out. They had 81 plays uh, to the Eagles 47. But the fourth quarter is when the Eagles bowed up and, and, and stopped them. Uh, but it was kind of uh, before we get to the most improved players, we're going to hit it soon. And Terry McLaurin, I wouldn't put him on there because he's been so great throughout his career. I'm sitting in the Chris Wesleyan podcast studio, and even as a rookie, Chris, uh, my friend and, and co-host, former co-host, said, oh, this guy's going to be special, and you can see the next-level traits. I'm with you. I think if he was like on the Vikings, for instance, or on a team that had a legitimate pass – uh, passing attack and, and quarterback, we, would, we wouldn't put him in Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs' class quite yet, but I, I think he's a lot closer than – than people realize like that he's in that. I think now you have to make the list because there's so many good receivers, but he's getting close to that top 10 range. Um, and maybe he would be right there. But one last thing on this game would be that when you mentioned the yards per carry, that really struck a note. Cause in the first drive, even when they went all the way down the field, this was the ultimate like Ron Rivera and defensive minded coaches vision of a game. Like, well, if we just get, three yards on first down and four yards on the second down. And then we have third and short. Then we, you know, then it's third and manageable and we, we can right. keep it going. That right. was the whole game it was like Brian Robinson, three yards, Gibson, four yards. And then on third down, they would get their four yards again. And it just kept happening over and over like that. Robinson and Gibson ran for a combined 40 attempts. You want to know how many, what their long run was, Charles? Tell me. 11. And they only had one more than seven. They had 49 rushes, only one more than seven. But everything was three and four and three and four. And they just kept hitting it. And that's like, to me, that's like Ron Rivera's dream. Because I'm with you. Time of possession is totally overrated. Uh, and sometimes when teams try to shorten the game, it just like shortens how quickly they lose when they try to do mm-hmm. that against the Chiefs. But when you're significantly worse than the other team, in this case, they are. It's not a bad idea to to shorten the if you can really pull it off like this like less possessions means more randomness and and basically a shorter game and that and worse teams can win a shorter game. Yeah, I I, I was just kind of surprised that or I guess what one surprises for me this this season really is how bad Philadelphia has been against the run. Like if you're if you're game planning for that defense, like that has to be a core part of what you're gonna do because. Uh, passing the ball hasn't been all that successful against them. I mean, Terry McLaurin, I mean, it's not like watching this pass game really did anything outside of Terry McLaurin. Uh, Their leading receiver was Curtis Samuel, who had two catches for 28 yards. Uh, But for whatever reason, they, 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 they can't stop the run, which is interesting because, you know, I know Fletcher Cox is a little over the hill now, but they still have, uh, Javon Hargrave and guys like Milton Williams are pretty solid players too. Graham's good against the run, you know, they they should be. But but when they get down to like I I think to me like one of the most stark areas where they really stink is like some of these C gap runs like 
where they're trying to just either just like go off tackle there because their linebackers are so bad at filling the run. Oh, no. like they're so bad. Is this Kaiser uh, White slander? I've been in. An- I mean, look, look, I, I don't even feel right slandering him because I don't even think he's playing the right position right now. So, yeah, he's more of a uh, def- you know, pass yeah. defender. Yeah, more of one of those like overhang strong safeties that can like masquerade as a linebacker every once in a while. But when he's playing linebacker every snap, it looks really, really bad. So uh, I I, I kind of wonder with the Eagles, like what's the deal with the Kobe Dean? Is he is it just not because I, I, I feel like if, if you if you if you look at the state of their linebackers and then just you, you pick the Kobe Dean, why not see what can happen? But I don't know what happened there. With him. Right. That is they clearly have a fatal flaw and we'll see if it's actually fatal and the Eagles would tell you well if you're going to have a flaw let it be run defense that's sort of how they've set up their personnel it's how they've set up their scheme or maybe not their personnel because you're right they have a lot of good defensive linemen they should be better at it Nakobe Dean uh, has played four defensive snaps this season Uh, I did not see him on the field tonight uh, it is crazy. Maybe he's still coming off of that injury. I know he's healthy enough to play, uh, but they need help there. And it's interesting looking at the Eagles' upcoming schedule. This loss kind of keeps the Cowboys in the division race. I mean, if they won this game, they would have been three games up, which doesn't sound insane. But when you only have eight left to play and right. and you have some easy games on your schedule, like, that's a lot of games to be up. Now it's only two, and the Cowboys get them again. And the Giants are only one game back. You know, the team you used to cover. Uh, and here's who's coming up on their schedule. Some Jonathan Taylor, I, I mean, I don't think they'll have problems with the Colts, but Taylor looked uh, a little revived last week. Then you got the Packers, good run game. Titans, good run game. You're going to have the Cowboys a couple weeks after that. You got the Giants two different times. Um, so they will be tested. And the Bears. They Bears. Got, and the Bears. Good call. <laughs> so those are a lot of good running teams. They're they're kind of like in the crosshairs here. That's that's the trend of 2022 NFL. It's all about the run. It's really not wow, all about that, the run, but it's part of it. Yeah, and, and honestly, you could even – if Alvin Kamara is healthy, they even have a game against no, the that, Saints. No, that team's giving up. That team. Uh, <laughs> I man, that. I think by Jan- they play week 17 by that team – I don't know. Joe Vitt might be, you know, coaching the Saints uh, for the for that week, and Kamara will be on vacation or something. I don't know what's up with that team. Let's get quickly to the most improved uh, teams. So, so shout out to the Commanders. You're going to be in the wild card race for a little while, and the Eagles st- take a step back. Not worried though. Most improved players. All right, I had a, just like a a list. I, I usually do a list here. And I'm not going to put you on the spot, Charles. I'm going to throw out six players here. As, as my most improved list here. And I'm not going to put them in order this week. I don't feel like it. And right, uh, you, can, you can just tell me what you think and uh, who you, if I'm missing anyone or what order you would have them on. Christian Derrissaw is uh, on the list for me, the left tackle for the Vikings. People thought he might be uh, a problem for them, and he's ended up being a, a great left tackle. It's really interesting to see these second-year left tackles uh, improve. It just happens over and over. On your team, you used to cover. I don't. Are you? You're not a Giants fan, but do you kind of have a soft spot for him at this point? Uh, no. I used to cover the Giants and the Jets, and just don't really have a soft spot. For no, but you live in Brooklyn. No. Yes. It's got so, so you're just like so. annoyed by them then, and their no, fans. No, I'm not. A, I'm, they're just they just exist. Like I'm okay. a Falcons fan. I got my own problems, bro. Yeah, you got a lot of problems. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think who would be the most improved on the Falcons, but it, I got I got an answer for the Falcons. Okay. 
Let's hear it. Caleb, Caleb McGarry. Oh, yeah. Right tackle. I was yeah. looking at the tackle list and I thought of that. I thought like, that's a little too deep for me. Can I really speak intelligently about Caleb McGarry? Not really, but I've heard he's played well. And when I've watched him, like they hold up and he, he's good in the running game. He's he's nasty. Yeah, he used to be really bad, and now he's pretty good. So, All right. So uh, I don't know if he's making the official list, but uh, I'll throw out Dexter Lawrence on the Giants. Has always been That's good, good um, but he's taken another step. Derek Brown of the Panthers, I've mentioned on this show. It's a guy who just hadn't done a lot as a top 10 pick over the, his first three years, and he is going to get paid. Uh, Greg Rousseau of the Bills, quiet rookie year where he did not play much and has popped. I know he's hurt right now. Uh I, I'm not putting Gino on this list because he he never actually played. I'm with Gino. I I believe that he's been this good the whole time. He just never had a chance. Uh, so, I, but I will put Tua. Do you think Tua de- deserves this list, or does did he just need the chance? Um. Yeah. I I I, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of areas where Tua has improved. Uh, to me, I, I I think the most exciting part about the Dolphins' offense is how damn good Mike McDaniel is. Like. Yeah, he might be the best play caller in the league. Like, if there's any one of those guys that was like the actual boy genius of the Shanahan squad, squad it seems like Mike McDaniel really has got something to figure it out. But that too was definitely improved. Where, where you said what parts of his game? What parts of his game have improved? Oh, uh, I, I think just like the consistency on the deep balls. I think he's picking it and finding his spots better. Like. And I will say that Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle definitely give you a room for error on this, but uh, he he's he's been able to find out like a, a a timing pattern that works for his arm strength, where he's still able to pin passes on the sideline, like right uh, when he needs to, or is, mm. or if he's able to uh, even just give guys a chance to get him open downfield. Like sometimes I feel like Tua he'll throw the ball earlier when he's throwing the deep balls fast, throwing right. the deep balls to like Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle because he knows like, well, I, I can't, I don't really have the the arm strength to afford to wait here. So I've got to let go of this faster. And what people don't really get about arm strength, it's not, because it, I'll see people put, oh, well, he threw the ball 50 yards downfield. Well, yeah, like every NFL quarterback can do that. It's about how long it takes the ball to get there. Right, it was like the Heineke uh, throw tonight. Uh, Tua would have thrown that a half second quicker and it wouldn't have been as big of a air balloon, but he would have thrown it quicker to give his receiver a better chance. You're right. His timing on out routes too. I, I know most of it's over the middle of the field and everything, but his timing is excellent. He he has gotten better. You're right. McDaniel is that dude. That's why Kyle Shanahan tried to yeah. stop him from leaving him for all those years and tried to like hide him. Yeah. I, I think from your list though, I would probably go with, with Derek Brown. Okay. As as number one, just as someone like who has improved their not only their 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 play this year, but like you said, like the career outlook kind of has shifted for him. Oh yeah, he's gonna he, get paid. He, yeah, because he, he's finally playing like that guy that that they drafted him to be. Uh, I was I was I wasn't like the biggest Derek Brown fan coming out of the draft because I was I was like you know I I preferred the guys who are gonna be able to be three like one gap uh, penetrators, three technique types. But, you know, he, he he's starting to figure that out uh, to his game too. Like he's gotten really explosive and really strong. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it, it, it was interesting because when the Panthers were going through their, their trade deadline stuff, 
Uh, and it was coming out where the reports were like Derek Brown was one of their untouchables. You know, I was talking to people and they were like, really, Derek Brown? I was like, right. Go, go watch him play this just season. Just this year, yeah. though. It, it, it was <laughs> it's just this year. Yeah. But I understand the thought process if you just watch him play this year. Like, he looks fantastic. Yeah, he is that dude. And there's not many of those dudes. And there used to be kind of a cliche that those types of guys develop slower. I'm, I don't know if that's even true, but like the Ted Washington types, which you don't even see in the NFL, but he's the equivalent of a Ted Washington type who's just big dude. And yeah, I'm not usually into those guys uh, before the draft, but let's give him his flowers. Sure, we'll put him at number one. I guess McGarry snuck on the list now that I counted it as number six. Christian Kirk was another guy I would throw out there just because I, I didn't think Christian Kirk had everything that he's had in his game this year. He's shown to be like a nice slot that can get vertical. Uh, you could do it all too, Charles. You stayed up late. I appreciate it. I, I hope did. like no one is, you know, waking. You're in Brooklyn, so I'm guessing. Do you share walls with other uh, apartment dwellers? Like, are you waking them oh, up no, right I'm, now? I'm actually on the first floor all oh, by myself. Oh, look at you. You, you yeah. know, I never got to that point uh, when I was in New York for for ten years, and uh, if I was screaming on a podcast late at night there, like people were annoyed. At me, so hopefully no one. I, I, got, I, I definitely got lucky with my living situation. I'll say that for sure. That's nice. Char- Charles does a really great job. He's he's at Yahoo. Uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. Check him out there. Uh, appreciate having you on, uh, and we'll do it again. And thanks. You you gave us good luck here, Charles. We got a fun game. That's right. All right for Charles. Uh, I'm Greg. We will be back on Tuesday. Do we have a special guest? Oh, yes, we do. We have Mark Sanchez joining the uh, show. It's not confirmed. It's not confirmed, but we'll try to get him on the show. <laughs> Let's show up, Mark Sanchez. Come on, we need you. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.